Hi, and welcome to Voices of Esalen. I'm your host, Sam Stern. Today, our guest is none other than Ian Michael Hebert, Property Development Manager at the Esalen Institute, and oh, so much more. Ian Michael is the man behind a lot of the vision for Esalen's long-term development and current renewal. This guy is an awesome talker. He's very articulate, very impassioned, and very genuine. We got into a whole host of topics, including but not limited to, the challenges and triumphs around Esalen's current renovation of our historic lodge. It hasn't been easy, but we're coming to a point where we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We talked about the true meaning of sustainability, both on a personal and systemic level. We spoke about Ian Michael's visions for the future of Esalen, which included a net zero emissions campus. Let's keep our fingers crossed for that one. And then we went deeper and ranged farther and spoke about Ian Michael's experience of learning from Stan Groff. Yeah, we're talking about shamanic portals, y'all. The challenges of fatherhood, the possibility of a post-capitalistic society, and Ian Michael's commitment to what he calls intergenerational alchemy. Says Ian Michael, not only are we in a community, but there's always a community of selves within each one of us. So the question is, how do we tend to that community? How do we tend to all of our selves? I truly enjoyed this conversation with Ian Michael Hebert. I'm quite sure you will as well. You'll learn more about him. You'll learn about the history of the Esalen Institute, where we've been and where we're going. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I wonder if we could start off our, our conversation with you kind of introducing your, your function at the Esalen Institute now. I came into Esalen three years ago, and I applied to be the director of facilities, but I saw that there were some very specific needs that Esalen had, um, which I could uniquely serve. And so I created this position uh, called the property development manager, and basically that would that position would be in charge of all long-term planning and some major projects that were coming down the pipe. Mm-hmm. So um, initially, the long-term development plan um, was being held by the CEO, the president, and the director of facilities, but they didn't have anybody that really knew construction. And so I came in and helped initiate these two major projects, which was a renovation of the historic lodge and uh, rebuilding of the South Coast staff housing facilities. So when you were brought on three years ago, there already was the plan to um, to construct a new lodge or rehabilitate the old lodge? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They didn't know exactly what timeline that they were going to do it in, but they were beginning the process of getting financing and, and, and that whole approach. But um, what was interesting is the lodge kitchen's floor was failing, so they were actually falling through, and they didn't have a plan to fix that before they built this whole new lodge. So uh, the head of the of the kitchen there was planning on getting a temporary kitchen that was going to be placed outside, and that's what they were going to operate out of. So very quickly, I kind of put an end to that strategy and said, we really need to be thinking long term, and if we're going to invest money in something, we need to invest money in a a permanent solution. Well, it's such a challenging uh, operation because I know that the, the lodge is really the heart 
of Esalen and uh, to take that out is akin to uh, something that uh, one of our co-workers, Danny B, likened to open heart surgery. Yeah, I've, I've heard Michael Murphy use that analogy as well. And uh, it's been quite a challenge because it really is the heart of Esalen. And we did really well uh, creating a strategy where we could create a new kitchen, new meeting room spaces, and then move all the functions of the current lodge into those spaces while we renovated the old building. Um, and it has been a real lesson for me in how people can get so attached to patterns and different ways of being. And then when you shift those patterns, you know, it creates a lot of challenges and people have to adjust and adapt. And so one of the things that shows the strength of any natural system, any ecosystem, is its ability to adapt. And that's what resilience is. So I'm really proud of our community for being resilient and working through this moment of great change. And I'm really looking forward to you know, just in a short eight weeks, us being in the new lodge, the vision being fully realized, and then people learning new patterns and interacting with the building in new ways. So this podcast is being uh, taped on uh, late April 2016. So our our move in into the new space is in June or July of 2016. Yep, that's correct. Yeah. And you can think of it like um, a chiropractic adjustment or um, an acupuncture. I've heard this this place of Esalen Institute called an acupuncture point of our culture. So it's like we have gone into the heart of this acupuncture point. We have completely like released all the old patterns. And I'm really excited to see the way that people fill this new space. Because when I walk into it and when I give people tours, there's a whole new feeling of expansiveness for this human potential movement to fill. What would you say have been some of the greatest challenges um, personally for you Mm -hmm. and then on sort of like a a systems level uh, for the renewal, for the construction during this period? Mm -hmm. Um, While I feel that we've done a good job communicating to our guests and our staff about what's happening, I had no idea the level of communication and detail that would be needed to hold people through such a major transformation. Um, So I would say that's been one of the main challenges Uh, is just understanding kind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how basic shelter and food um, are so primal. So when you mess with where somebody's food is or, you know, what their home looks like, it's like it brings out all those primal feelings. Um, And so learning to hold those has been part of the journey for me. And luckily, you know, just before I came to Esalen, I was finishing a master's in community mental health and counseling psychology, and I'm still humbled by what has come up and what I've had to learn here. I'm sure that's been needed in, in times in working with not just the challenges inherent in, in doing a construction, but in doing it within community. Yeah, absolutely. And we operate 360 days a year um, with basically 90% capacity. So, you know, we have this machine that has to keep going and is really well oiled. And like we just, you know, did a major transmission overhaul while the car is running down the highway. So, yeah, pretty impressive. (laughs) What was it that attracted you to want to come and work uh, at Esalen in the first place? Um, It was about 15 years ago when I was in undergrad. I was studying consciousness and um, physics and business and philosophy and all these different uh, elements and all these different uh, inquiries come together at this amazing place, Esalen. So one of the inquiries that I was interested in at the time was sound healing, and uh, there was a great teacher that was coming to Esalen. So I signed up for that workshop, and I never came. I moved back to my home state of Alaska and pursued 
this path of wanting to do sustainable development and really like live my ecological awareness. And so then when I was in grad school, 12 years later in San Francisco, I saw a poster up for a workshop at Esalen called Living Deeply. And uh, I've now become good friends with both the facilitators of that workshop. But that poster was basically uh, reawakened that spark of interest in Esalen for me. And that's when I went on the website, saw that there was a position open, and then my whole life, everything just happened as if by grace and fate to align me to serve this this moment here. Are you happy that you've come worked the last three years here? Yeah, definitely. It's been a deep act of surrender, and um, I've grown a lot and learned a lot, and I really have realized all these aspects of my being can live in one place so that you know, that's an experience that I had never had before where my interest in sustainability and personal growth and my capacity to build things and my family life, they all can coexist in one place. So you used the the phrase sustainable development Mm -hmm. a couple of times. Would you say that this renewal project at Esalen has been successful in adhering to the, to the kind of tenets of sustainable development? Yeah, absolutely. I really have aspirations for Esalen beyond what we're currently accomplishing, but I do feel that we've lived our principles. And one of the things we did that demonstrates that is the architecture firm that we hired, Arkintilt Architects. They've been really great to work with. They're leaders in the field. And um, I feel like the lodge is really well connected to the landscape and helps people become aware of things like the sunset at solstice or equinox. Or at solar noon, you can track what day of the year it is through um, something called an analemma that is appears on the wall in one of the new meeting rooms. The analemma is a phenomena um, where at solar noon, if you track the sun in the sky every day, it creates an infinity sign. And that's because of the way that the Earth is tilted and the way that we rotate around the sun. And so um, it's one of the tools that you can use through sacred geometry to track what day of the year it is in the building. Mm-hmm. Another tool that we have that kind of aligns you to these celestial events is in the new meeting room, the new Huxley, we have these portals that face the west, and they're these big steel tubes that let light in at very specific moments of the year. So sunset at equinox and solstice shine into the other to the eastern wall and illuminate disks so you know what day of the year it is. And what about some of the challenges I grew up in the middle of Alaska, and before I moved to California, I was involved in energy-efficient design and building up there and helped build the northernmost lead platinum building in the world called the Cold Climate Housing Research Center. Um, And so I was really at ground zero of climate change up there where we have these scientists and people at our university that are, you know, exploring the ways that climate is changing, and then we have these, like, oil industry executives and people working on the pipelines. So I'm really familiar with the clash of those two cultures in one place. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, in some ways um, I experienced that here, but I was really um, happy with the way that the contractor and all the carpenters and everybody came together to build, you know, an energy efficient, sustainable building. And uh, I feel like we've really accomplished our goals in that way. And they've been really good to work with as far as we have been a challenging client 
because we have so many custom elements that we wanted to include in the building, um, like local redwood that was harvested by a Esalen Indian descendant, um, or posts made of madrone that Gordon Wheeler, our president and interim CEO, and I went and harvested from his land. So like we incorporated these really beautiful, meaningful elements in, and the contractor was supportive. Mm. Yep. You, you mentioned a little bit earlier that you have more ideas that you'd love to see Esalen uh, kind of mm -hmm. incorporate. I don't know if you wanted to go into any of the specifics of sure. thoughts for that. Absolutely. Um, you know, our next project that we're going to work on and start building in the fall is our th is our South Coast Staff Housing Center. So a number of years back, half of our staff housing burned down over there. And I believe that taking care of the people that run this community and run the operations is really critical. So I'm excited to be building this new staff housing center next year. And the goal of that center is that it is net zero energy. So basically, the buildings themselves produce as much solar electricity as they use in heating and lighting and all of that. So I'm excited about that project. That's already moving forward. Um, I have the desire to build a bridge across Hot Springs Creek so it would allow us to bring people that have accessibility challenges all, all over our campus. It'll help us from a maintenance and um, ground standpoint so that we can you know, easily make our way from one side of the property to the other using our carts so that we can take advantage of that electricity. Um, approach instead of petrochemicals. So, um, you know, our cars, some of our buildings still run on propane, all these different pieces can be trans transitioned to electric. Mm -hmm. And then we have the plan of uh, the whole new lodge can incorporate solar. So that ends up being a net positive building. It creates more electricity than it uses. So similarly, one day I would really like to see us be a net zero campus. So we have a zero carbon footprint for the overall campus. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about our history and kind of how the history of Esalen, which is so rich, mm -hmm. uh, kind of affects your thoughts about the, the, the future of Esalen. You know, an important person uh, in Esalen's past has, was Stanislav Grof. Yeah, um, Grof is a really fascinating character because he was, uh, he was given the authority to do a lot of research with psychedelics. And then after doing all this research and um, work that he did with his clients as a psychiatrist, he then developed something called holotropic breathwork. And it was a means of, of really radical transformation. Um, and personally, holotropic breathwork has been, has been a really important portal to trauma release and a lot of different things that I've needed to sort through in this life. So I'm indebted to his legacy because of that. He then developed this theory of the perinatal matrices. And so Groff's work really centered around what is the experience of um, a baby before and while it comes into the world. So he believed that there were traumas that could be experienced during the birthing process that would end up patterning people's way of being throughout their life. Um, and so some of his work was about releasing those perinatal matrixy traumas. Wow. Yeah. And personally, I've, I've re-experienced re my birth through holotropic breathwork. And that's, that's pretty powerful. Incredible. Yeah. Did you remember? I mean, was it conscious when or like? Yeah, I didn't have a very traumatic birth, um, but it still is a lot of pressure. It's like any moment of 
transition. It's like what we have going on with the campus renewal. It's like there's a birthing process happening and there's like a lot of pressure before the final release. And then there's this breath of fresh air and there's a new world. Mm -hmm. So yeah, in the holotropic breathwork session, I did experience something that I experienced throughout my life, which is kind of this shamanic portal of like, you move your way through this moment of pressure and then a new world opens up. Mm. Wow. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, let's let's talk some more about the history uh, of Esalen and, mm-hmm. and the personal import of some of the teachers yeah. uh, and some of the, the founders has, has been for you. Anybody else come to mind that's important for you? Um, certainly Alan Watts is important to me. He was uh, a luminary that I gravitated towards while I was in high school. Um, and then when I came to Esalen to serve and to work, I was really curious about both Michael Murphy and Dick Price's visions and how those came together um, at a specific moment in time, just over 50 years ago, to create this container for transformation. And so I relate to both of their visions in different parts of my being. So Dick Price really um, was the champion of this gestalt and embodied practice Mm -hmm. here at Esalen. And I believe that he was more connected to community. He lived in the community a lot more than Michael did. So, like, there's a part of my being that really resonates with the way that he embodied Gestalt. And I'm also really interested in his life story, which had a lot of mental health challenges. And so part of what brought me to California and to Esalen um, was the things that I experienced with friends who had mental health challenges and my own journey of healing. And so having a founder of a transformational center that had his own struggles was really fascinating to Mm -hmm. me and is something that I want to continue to embody. I want us to continue to be a transformational center that really does the deep personal work. Mm -hmm. And then Michael Murphy, on the other hand, you know, really was at the core of these um, new discoveries and really exploring the psychic phenomena all throughout history and throughout like um, the 60s and he was really more I think on what I would call the academic side so he wanted to find a place where all these teachings and these these cross-pollinations of traditions could happen um, that wasn't just academia that could do more than academia could really be on the edge And so that's the part of Michael Murphy that really intrigues me and like grabs my attention Mm -hmm. is that he still has this Center for Theory and Research and is exploring psychic phenomena. That's great. And I know you have a very close relationship with Mac Murphy, Michael's Mm -hmm. son, and and I assume with Michael as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mac um, is a force of nature and he is such an embodied man. It really speaks to the part of me that grew up in Alaska and is wild and is free. And uh, it's really fascinating to me that Michael wrote this book, The Future of the Body. And it's a thick 500 plus page book about all these different psychic phenomena. And then for him to have a son who is so embodied and just like the spirit of this land moves through his body. um, You know, it's it's really a beautiful thing to me. Mm -hmm. And Mac is connected to the Esalen people and the legacy of this land in a way that I haven't seen before. And I really honor and respect that. 
Well, let's talk about the Esalen people. I know you told mm-hmm. me before uh, sitting down that you wanted to speak a bit about them and yeah. the, the import for you and for Esalen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's one of the things that makes this feel like home to me. Um, there's all these parallels, and it happened from the first day that I walked on this land. I feel all these parallels between my life in Alaska and my life here at Esalen, and one of those is this reverence and acknowledgement of the first people that walked this land. So in Alaska, being a, a state only about 50 years ago, there's still a lot of people practicing you know, their traditional lifestyles and um, indigenous ways. And similarly, here at Esalen, it's really significant to me that the Institute is named after the tribe that lived here. And the Esalen people were one of the first or maybe the first tribe in California to go culturally extinct but they still have people that are connected to the tr- uh, to the traditions. And here on this land of Esalen Institute, there's still people buried from thousands of years ago. So to feel the grounding that that provides, the knowledge that people came here for thousands of years to heal and to pass into the spirit realms is really grounding for me. Um, and I have a personal relationship with people that are of Esalen descent and that carry their traditions and understand the ways that they interacted with the landscape, the ocean, the animals here. And I just feel like at this moment in time, humanity really needs to get back in touch with the consciousness of all things. And so that's one reason I feel like I'm here and that I feel at home on this land is because it's still raw and it's still in the wilderness. Um, We have a couple species on this land that are endangered or close to endangered, the Smith's blue butterfly, the southern sea otter, and soon the monarchs may be on the endangered species list. And so there's a certain stewardship and, and way of communicating with the landscape that really grounds me and gives me a sense of purpose in this life. Are there certain areas on the Esalen property that you find to be somewhat magical or somewhat connected to past times? Yeah, of course the canyon um, up Hot, Hot Springs Creek. There, you know, the redwoods there have a lot to teach us just about being grounded and about being connected to one another. Um, I was recently talking to one of our board members, Ben Tauber, and he has this beautiful redwood grove that he lives within up in San Rafael. And I was talking to him about the redwoods, and he mentioned to me that a redwood can't actually stand on its own. It's the network of the roots of all the redwoods that hold the forest together. And so that's gotten me thinking a lot about the future of Esalen and the way that kind of these these pillars, these people like Alan Watts or Abe Maslow or Mike Murphy or Dick Price they didn't stand alone and none of us stand alone. We all are supported by the network of people that we interact with. And so that's a beautiful vision for the future of Esalen is like a recognition of we as individuals and we as an individual species of humans can't stand alone on this earth. During our talk, I keep comparing our current time to the founding of Esalen. Mm -hmm. And I think it's seems somehow more challenging these days to have unity. Um, Maybe for the reason that there's so many options. 
Yeah, but it's still so alive today. And I mean, the intimacy of going down and sitting in the hot springs and just being naked to the world and to other people, it's like that's not an experience that a lot of people have in the world anymore. And that raw intimacy has a lot to teach us about our vulnerability as human beings. And, you know, it's just, it's all out there. Sure. Well, mm -hmm. you mentioned sustainable development on sort of a systems level. I was wondering if you mm -hmm. might talk a little bit about your own sustainable development, your own journey as, as a human developing. Well, I don't know. What have you, what have you learned about yourself, I guess, mm -hmm. in, in being here? Yeah. Um, as you start talking about that, for some reason, my kids come to mind. And then I realized that, like, for anything to be sustainable, it has to be for our children. And we also have to acknowledge where we've been and we have to acknowledge our elders and what they have to teach us. I think that's really at the heart of sustainable development is an understanding of time and our impacts on others. And so lately, I've really been contemplating this, this idea or this reality of each one of our actions actually influences or has repercussions for seven generations. So it's, you know, it's really kind of hard for our mind to understand that in the day to day and when we're caught up in things. But if we were to build buildings and to develop ourselves personally and whatever it is, all of our actions and thoughts, if they take into account seven generations, I think that we'll be a lot better off as a species. You know, we're in the sixth great extinction of this planet um, and this one appears to be largely caused by humans and so you know this is the moment this is the week this is the day where we have to make choices that are not going to kill another species you know it's a precious thing yeah so I think about my children and wanting them to you know be able to enjoy the bees and enjoy farming and enjoy this beautiful earth yeah yeah I love your kids talk to me about being a dad I actually have, was walking by the ocean here recently and came to the realization that my daughter Solstice who's now 11 has been one of my greatest teachers in this life like she grounded me as a young father and, and made me get responsible and focused and create businesses and contribute to community and uh, one of the biggest challenges for me has has been looking back at my early years of fatherhood and seeing that like you know I would get frustrated or different emotions that I just didn't have control over you know so as I guess I get older and as we get older in general some of those emotions kind of start to subside or we have the capacity to hold them in a better way mm -hmm. so if there's anything that I that I wish as a father is to just become more present, more calm, more loving, yeah. more attuned. Yeah. What, what, do you like the idea of uh, of your kids being at Esalen as they as they grow into teenagers and then adults? And oh yeah. Um, what better community to be a part of? I had the I had the great grace at a young age of kind of having free reign of the wilderness and the neighborhood and you know being able to explore a lot and feel safe and I don't think in the billions of kids that are on earth today there's that many that have that experience of just being able to roam in their community in their neighborhood and feel totally safe 
And so that is one of the great gifts that Esalen has given to me and my family is the capacity to go to work and have my kids, you know, run around meeting people, doing art projects. And yeah, it's a really sacred place to grow up. I know you're a workshop leader sometimes, as well as a a projects manager, and recently you were in Costa Rica teaching. So what what were you teaching about? Was it related to to your work here? Um, In some ways it was related. I guess everything um, is becoming more related in my mind, like everything that I'm doing and everything that's happening in the world. And so the work that I was doing in Costa Rica, um, there was two workshops actually. One... Um, was a program called Passage, and the basic tenet was that in three weeks you can recreate your habits and kind of um, redevelop your identity and your life. So there was three modules. The first was concentrating on the individual and what your individual talents and skills are and offerings. The second was how do you build community? And then the third was how do you bring that out into the broader society? So I was one of the final speakers and I was helping the participants um, gain some tools for integration and bringing what they had learned in the community that they had built in the three weeks back into their life and into the world. And so I had some, you know, great insights from what happens at Esalen with our work scholar program and that these people come in for four weeks they have these transformative experiences and they live in community and then they're unleashed on the world and holding that experience, holding those vibrations, holding those friendships are are challenging when you get back into the world that has all these different things vying for our attention. So I was mostly telling my story um, of my life and the way that it's evolved to a point of having integration where all these different experiences can come together into one identity or right because you had your time as a counseling psychology Mm -hmm. graduate student Mm -hmm. you had your time as athlete Mm -hmm. you had your time as i don't know in my businessman in alaska yeah father all these different identities so yeah and when we segment ourselves i think um we lose the lessons that those different parts of ourselves have to teach each other so like not only are we in a community, but there's a community of selves inside of us. And it's like, how do we tend to that community? Mm-hmm. How do we tend to all those selves? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, and then the other, um, the other thing that I spoke at was uh, a place called Envision, and it's a festival down in Costa Rica where they're doing some really great sustainable practices and a lot of composting. And, you know, it's like kind of a new style of transformational festival. And I sat on a panel where we talked about a post-capitalist society and what would that look like and how do we evolve at this moment in time as human beings from no longer relating to the world as kind of something that we can gain money from and, you know, this whole capitalist system um, to something that we can contribute to and how do we take care of one another in a different way. So that was a really interesting conversation and you know, I have a vision of Esalen, too, being a community of 300 people every day. And so there's 150 that are staff, there's 150 that are guests, but we're all here at this one moment in time, and we have an opportunity to envision whatever we want. We can create community however we want. And the interactions that I've had with people that are in workshops are really powerful and profound 
and there, there's something that money can't buy. So I really want us to look at what are the values that we have in society that are actually more important than money and just start focusing there. And I think that Esalen is a platform where that can happen. Mm. And I think that's the key to a post-capitalist society is focusing on those connections that we create with one another and figuring out how do we build systems and communities around those values. Well, let's talk a little bit more about post-capitalist society. I mean, is that something that you envision actually happening? We may be forced into it at some point, but there's also this phenomena where there's so much wealth in the world right now concentrated in the hands of a few, but if that wealth is redistributed in a really healthy and conscious way, we can change the face of the earth. We can change the way that people's lives are are affected by the systems that are in place now. Mm -hmm. Because the way the systems are now, you know, the disadvantaged don't have the opportunity to have basic needs in the world. Drinking water, food, there's a lot of different basic needs that could easily be taken care of if we restructured the way that wealth is distributed on earth mm -hmm. and we figured out systems that really allow a regenerative process where people create sustainable communities. And I think that, you know, that's that's always been an ideal of mine and, and a vision that I've had since I was young is that there is a way to live within community that doesn't involve money. And I kind of experienced it by growing up in Alaska where we had chickens and goats and pigs and, you know, my dad did have a business and was a carpenter and a contractor and, and all these different things, but then there was also this experience of community that was alternative to that, that didn't rely on the money piece, but was vastly richer than anything else you could find in the city. It's a, it's an amazing concept. I think it would take a lot of sort of mental rewiring. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even thinking that this is something that's going to happen in my lifetime or the next couple generations. Um, and I think there's parts of capitalism that can be healthy and can stimulate people to really express their potential and explore things and um but it's what are the values at, at the core of what we're doing you know it's like elon musk he is really exploring space electric cars musk is the founder of tesla yeah right? exactly um so he took his wealth that he you know came upon through his earlier companies and invested it in these things that he really believed in. And now he's kind of been creating new industries and new inquiries that wouldn't be possible if somebody that didn't, you know, somebody needs to have that wealth and focus it towards a noble means. And then, you know, and then things shift. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, long term, um, it would be very interesting if we as a species no longer used money or those kind of concepts in order to do our transactions. Um, and I don't see it in my lifetime, but it's an interesting aspiration to contemplate. It is. Now, if you were um, a person who wanted to come here and take a workshop, what workshops would be attractive to you? Like what gets you excited? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's really for me about balance. So, you know, because my work is often really about collaboration and long-term planning and is very focused in my mind. Most of the workshops that I've done here are really embodied. So five rhythms dance, um, or yoga class, or, you know, the, those kind of different workshops. I've also taken, uh, Peter Meyer's work, speak to inspire 
and which was amazing. Um, but I would probably take a workshop from Stan Groff or some of the some of those greats. You know, mm-hmm. I'd really like to have access to some of those legacy teachers while they're still on Earth. Yeah. So, yeah, I plan on taking a holotropic breathwork workshop with Stan about a month from now in San Francisco. And it's those kind of cutting-edge practices that I'd really like to um, have here at Esalen mm-hmm. still. All right, well, I feel like I could just ask you... Um, a few more questions. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, is there anything that you, that you wanted to talk about before we before I get into my like lightning round of questions? One of I, there's a phrase that I heard recently, um, which is Esalen is a refuge of revolutionaries, and that that really used to be the spirit of what was happening here in the '60s and '70s, and so that's something I'm really curious about recreating or creating space for is can this still be a refuge for revolutionaries? And that may be that we have internships for scholars or internships for artists or different things that are supported where people can be on the land and really dive deep into their process and experience that transformation. Um, I think that a lot of magic has come out of Esalen because of it being a revolutionary refuge. I love that idea. I think that's... It's so important for this because this place is or was very, 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 very left of center, mm-hmm. and very interesting and very edgy. Mm-hmm. And now I think we have, and the rest of the world has too, traveled back closer towards the center. Yeah. Um, and I think it's possible to stay in a safe place, but also to have elements of Esalen that are, while being safe, not normal. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really important to me. Um I keep coming back to Alaska, but I grew up in a place that's really extreme. There's like two hours of sunlight in the middle of winter, and there's 24 hours of sunlight for months in the summer. So I grew up, you know, every year vacillating between these major extremes, not just in my environment, but in my own being. And so, you know, things that are on the edge are always very interesting to me, and I'm excited to see Esalen exploring that edge again and looking at like what's possible and what's out there that's really pushing the boundaries yeah all right i'll throw a couple questions at you yeah you got anything else well then there's this other thing that i recently heard from our new chair um jeff kripal and that is that one of the seed elements that made esalen successful and have its own kind of paradigm and magic is intergenerational alchemy And I really love that term, intergenerational alchemy. Um, It's like what we were talking about earlier of looking seven generations into the future. It's like, I think we also need to look into the past. And so at this moment in time, it's people like Stan Groff or Michael Murphy or Jeff Kripal or Chip Connolly that I look to as kind of wisdom bearers. And I want to bring new energy to the conversation, but I want to learn from them deeply. And so there's like an alchemical fire that I think this place, Esalen, can hold. And I'm interested in like, how do we re-engage that intergenerational alchemy? What brings you joy? Walking out the door and seeing a whale breach out of the ocean. When I think of the word joy i think of a a whale coming fully out of the ocean yeah that brings me a lot of joy the look in my daughter's eyes when we're playing or dancing or 
getting ice cream. Um, yeah, there's nothing like that in the world. It's just unadulterated, pure light. Mm. When's the last time you cried? Um, earlier today, thinking about my future um, with, <laughs> with this amazing woman that I have in my life. Um, what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were like 10? Um, I probably wanted to be a vet at that point in my life. I loved animals so much when I was little. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How about when you were 15? Um, then I started to shift into wanting to start a sustainable community in Costa Rica. And that was my goal for a number of years. How about when you were 23? Um, I wanted to start a bed and breakfast and um, like a boutique hotel chain. How about 29? I wanted to be um, a therapist mm -hmm. and to heal people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever do the, the therapy therapist thing? Um, not in a formal way. Maybe when I'm older and have more wisdom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What is your secret superpower? Like, what's something that you're really good at that not many people know about? I would say presence. You know, I think it's a subtle quality and superpower, um, but undervalued and not always recognized. Are you Bernie, Hillary, Trump, or none of the above? <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Um, I would say none of the above. Yeah. I probably have part of me in all of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, tell me what a perfect day looks like for you. Or a perfect morning. You don't have to do a whole day. Yeah. Um, wake up, make some chai tea on the porch, and listen to the waves roll in. Um, do a little bit of painting play with the kids and, and have some pancakes. Um, living at Esalen offers a lot of perfect days <laughs> where I'm walking through the gardens and the sun is coming up and I'm going to work and I can see the lodge being transformed and rebuilt and I can imagine what it's like when it's going to be done and how things are going to flow here. And then I end my day in the hot springs with great food from our amazing kitchen. I really couldn't imagine a better life. What brings you peace? Meditation. Yeah, meditation brings me peace. Well, thank you, Ian Michael Hebert, so much for speaking and sharing a little bit more about yourself with us. Thank you, Sam. It's really been a pleasure being here with you today. Thanks for listening to Voices of Esalen. Today's podcast was produced in conjunction with Cheryl Franzel, Geraldine Hess, Lori Putnam, and Shannon Hudson. I'm your host, Sam Stern. Today's music is by Dave Depper, and the song is All the Pieces Come Together. If you like Voices of Esalen, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit us at esalen.org. That's E-S-A-L-E-N. All the podcasts are archived there. You can download them to your device of your choice. So stay tuned for further episodes, and be well. <laughs>